I want to talk on the message. If you take notes, the, the title of the message is A Walk to Remember. Um, and we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Luke and looking at the story of the road to Emmaus. But we're starting a new series today called Imagine. You know, when God created man and woman, he created them in his image and after his likeness. But when sin entered the world through disobedience, it blinded us from seeing what God has really created us to be. But that's why Jesus came. He came back to really wipe that clean so we could really see God again, God the Father. He said, if you see me, you see the Father. You see the Son, you see the Father. And God wants us to get back to understanding, you know, who we are, creating in his image what we're able to do here on the earth. We are his seed in the earth. Did you know that? You are God's seed planted in the earth to do great exploits for his glory. And this whole series is really about bringing us back to being able to see, um, you know, exactly what his image is and who we are because the Bible says in Corinthians that as we behold him, we can become like him. So the more we view him, the more we see him, the more we gain knowledge of who God is through his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the more we're able, because he's our example. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. He was the example to us that everything that we see through the Son from the Father, we're able to do, and everything we hear him say, we're able to speak it out. And God confirms his word with signs that follow. Can you say amen? So I couldn't think of any better, really any better uh, story in the Bible on Easter uh, to think about image than really the road to Emmaus thinking about that. And the word image actually means, it comes from the, the word imagine, my bad, because that's the name of the series, comes from the root word image. And uh, the word imagine means to form a mental image or to think or, hey, how convenient for Christians to believe, <laughs> right? Have you ever been on a, on a walk where it was just kind of like, in, in a way I could say it was kind of a hopeless walk because in a sense you felt hopeless as so you began to go on this walk and, and just the whole walk seemed kind of, kind of hopeless. This is where we find two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, Christ was crucified three days before on, on Friday. And, you know, here they are walking. The Bible says they're walking from Jerusalem to the, the village of Emmaus, which is really about seven miles uh, away from Jerusalem. And they're, they're just downtrodden. Their hearts are heavy because they followed Jesus. Now Jesus was gone. And they're walking. Down this road. You ever been on a road? You ever gone for a well, walk? I used to go for walks. And ever, sometimes, and every, you know, you kind of, you get into, uh, you're in your home or wherever at, and it just seems like uh, you just need a change of scenery, right? And I, I used to go for walks all the time whenever I was troubled in my soul. I would just go for a walk. And sometimes I, I would come back feeling sad, and sometimes I would come back feeling better. But the more I got to know the Lord, the more he, he began to help me on my walks. And it turned from a hopeless walk to a hope-filled walk. So I'm going to read this account to you in, uh, in just a minute. But, you know, 
I'm getting ready to celebrate my uh, 26 years of being born again. Thank the Lord for that. And uh, on Memorial Day weekend, 1995, I was overdosing on drugs. And the Lord came down and he touched my life. I'll never forget that day. He come and touched me. And my life changed. My life changed. God, by his spirit, came to live on the inside of me. And that morning when I got home to my apartment, I, I felt the change immediately on the inside. I did not want to be the same that I used to be. This new life of Christ that was now available because of his resurrection was living on the inside of me. If you've got Jesus on the inside, you've experienced that. Say amen. amen. And that morning I got home and I picked up my guitar and I hit the G chord. And something just sounded different. In that G chord, it's like, bring. It's like there was just a, a new exuberance with that. And all of a sudden, I began to write a song, and the song was called Sunshine Avenue. And this song began, I'm not going to sing it to you right now, but the lyrics in the beginning of the song says, I've been down this road for some time, trying to relieve these troubles on my mind. Just when I think the road has come to an end, that's when I realize that I have yet to begin. But there comes a change where it goes from it seems like it's endless dealing with troubles to where it becomes Sunshine Avenue. It depends on which direction you're heading on that road. And here we are with these disciples in the book of Luke. And if you want to follow along, you can. Um, we don't have it on the screen. It's a little bit, little, little bit lengthy, but I just wanted to give you the full gist of the story here. Luke chapter 24, and starting with verse number 13, it says this, That same day, this is the day Jesus rose from the grave, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened, talking about the crucifixion and all that happened, even up to that point, their hopes as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began to walk with them. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. But God kept them from recognizing him. You know, sometimes we go on walks and God on purpose keeps us from recognizing his presence because there's lessons that he wants us to get along the way. And he'll reveal himself at the right time. But at this time, they didn't recognize Jesus. He came to them in a different form. They didn't understand. He was a human form, obviously, but they didn't recognize him. And Jesus asked them, it says, what are you discussing so intently as you were walking along? And they stopped short, and sadness was written over their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. Jesus was playing along, so he said, what things? He continued and said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and the other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Now listen to this. We had hoped 
that he was the Messiah who was to come and rescue Israel. This happened, all happened three days ago. And they continued telling, they're talking with Jesus. Then some women from our group who also are followers, they were at the tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said that his body was missing. And they even said that they seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran to see. We know in another gospel that that was Peter and John that ran. And sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Now Jesus begins to speak to them. Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you have liked to have been one of those two disciples? When Jesus took them through Moses and all the prophets and the scriptures and explained himself to them. It's a great, I mean, you can even, if you got like a, a, a Bible with the uh, center line reference, It'll go back and take you through all the prophecies of the Old Testament coming through, you know, the prophets, the Moses, everything talking about Jesus. It's a great study. I encourage you to do it for yourself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, and Jesus acted like he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is already getting late. So he went in with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took bread and blessed it, and then he broke it. And he gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. See, there were some things that they didn't recognize before. God kept them from recognizing him when Jesus first came to them on this journey. There were some things that they had off in their belief system. And God adjusted that through as Jesus began to reveal himself through all the scriptures of who he is, what he was to do, and what was available for every single person. Can you say amen? As he was there eating with them, still unrecognizing, but something was happening inside of their hearts. All of a sudden, he breaks the bread. Something about when the body of Jesus is broken and just that recognition of his body being broken for us. God brings that revelation. And the Bible says they recognized who he was. And at that moment, he disappeared. Come on. <laughs> I mean, we go on this journey. We don't know who he is. He's the only guy in Israel that don't know what's going on. Actually, he's the only one in Israel who knew exactly what was going on. He shows himself to them. The moment that they realize Jesus is gone, he disappears. Boom. What? What? They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained to us the scriptures? One translation says, as he opened up the scriptures to us, because it takes the Holy Spirit through Jesus to open the scriptures to us. Remember Peter, when Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do people say that I am? They say, well, some people say you're a prophet, some say a teacher, some say even one of the prophets of old, you know, risen from the dead, maybe even Elijah. He said, that's great, but who do you say that I am? 
And Peter said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Simon, because you can't learn this in any education on the earth. My heavenly father taught this to you takes that revelation God is the one that opens the scripture we can spend years of our study just studying the word of God and we can get some knowledge out of it but we can't get the revelation of Jesus Christ without the father breathing that upon us by the Holy Spirit amen hallelujah I believe he's breathing among us today and in the earth today can you say amen so they talking about what they were on the road their hearts were burning and it says within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. I mean, here they are. It seemed like a hopeless road on the way to Emmaus. They're just, their hearts are heavy. All the things, can you imagine all the things that they have seen? I mean, recounting all the miracles and just meeting Jesus for the first time and, and everything that he does and just, and just being a, an eyewitness to all these things firsthand, maybe even on the front row. And all of a sudden there, it's, it, it can't go this way. It can't go this way. No, they're, they're condemning him to die. No, something's going to turn around right now because he's going to save Israel from the Roman Empire. And it didn't go the way that they wanted it. And Jesus did die on the cross. And he was buried in a tomb. And they woke up on that third day. Even after hearing the report of the women, their hearts were still so heavy. And they decided, for whatever reason, the Bible don't tell us, they took a journey to Emmaus. And along that journey, just two of them, Jesus came alongside. It don't matter how many people are with you or how, or how alone you think you are, Jesus will always come along your side. He's there. He's got things he wants to show you. Amen? The Bible says that they get back, the rest of this story, they get back and they find the other 11 disciples and other disciples that are there and they're telling them what had happened. And they're hearing that, you know, now, now he, he appeared to Peter according to Luke's gospel that he appeared to Peter. And they're coming back, all these things. And the Bible says, as they're recounting and uh, all that, you know, walking along the Maus and this man, they didn't recognize him. As they, they recognized him as they broke the bread, as they were still talking, hiding in this hiding place with the other disciples, Jesus reappeared, boom, and said, peace be to you. I mean, you walked with me all the way there. Why wouldn't you walk back? And all of a sudden, they're there, and Jesus appears, and he says, peace be with you. Well, jumping in and out like that, you'd be a little scared too if you just popped in and popped out, right? Give me some peace, Lord. There's three things I want, I want to, you to have today. I really want you to just, I want to focus in on. And this is the things that Jesus began to speak to them. And, you know, the first thing that we see is really in Luke chapter 24, 25, when Jesus is talking to them and he says, um, Jesus said to them, you foolish or you slow hearted people. So that word foolish here means, it means to be slow-hearted. Why does it always seem, even as believers, that it's so slow for us to believe in the things that we can't see? Right? He goes on, you, you foolish, slow-hearted people, you find it so hard to believe. Remember, we found out that the word imagine means to believe. You find it so hard to imagine all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Here's the first thing I want you to get today. God's word releases hope. Period. God's word releases hope. It washes away disappointment. 
and despair. You know, when I first got saved, we all go through those times when, uh, you know, you get saved or other times when we experience God that you just, you feel his closest so much. And then there's times whenever he, he don't feel so close. Anybody been there? Is it just me? And he, he don't feel like he's so close. But you know what? It don't matter if we feel like he's not close because his promise is he is close. This is an opportunity that we have by faith to exercise our faith in his closeness. Amen. We want him to shout when he don't want to shout because he has to shout when he's far away. He only has to whisper when he's near. Amen. But God's word releases hope. This is what they needed. They, they had said, you know, we had hoped he was a prophet. He was a, a mighty teacher. You know, our, our leaders, they, they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the Messiah, the one who was going to come and redeem and rescue Israel. God's word releases hope. When I, when I got saved in those times and ever I just needed to get away, in a, in a sense, you can't get away from yourself. Sometimes you wish you could, right? Sometimes I could just wish I could just take a break from myself. But you can't. So instead of being in a place where, you know, maybe in my home or at that time in my apartment, you know, I just, I just needed something fresh, I would just go for a walk. And I made this my practice of going a walk with Jesus. And I would just... We, today, we would call it venting, right? I would vent to the Lord. You know the Lord can take your venting. And I would say, God, I just don't understand. And, I, and, and sometimes, you know, it, it never failed with this. It never failed every single time that I went on a walk. And as I began to open up, see, the, the point is being able to open up. You have to open up. Because when you open up, you're really taking your heart from a closed position to an open position where you're, you're opening and bringing things out, but you're also allowing because the door is open for things to come in. And I would go for these walks and I'd be frustrated and I, and I was respectful, um, but I was just like, God, I don't understand, you know, why are you so far away? Whatever's going on. And sometimes, sometimes I wouldn't hear God say anything, but I would feel his presence. He would still bring me hope as I just got these things out. But every single time I went on these walks, God comforted me in some way, whether he would give me a, a word of encouragement or he would give me a direction or I would just feel his presence as I opened up to know that he was there just to help me endure whatever it was I was going through. Because God just don't want you to get over things. He wants you to grow through things. Things happen in our lives. Jesus said, in, in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations and hard times. It's going to be hard to bear, but you can be of good cheer. Take courage. Don't lose heart because I have overcome the world. And because I overcome the world, I can give you that my ability, that grace, his divine enablement. That's just a gift for you to be able to endure so you can grow. He wants mature sons and daughters. Amen? So God's word releases hope. It says this in, in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. The scriptures give us hope and encouragement. Another translation says, they impart inspiration. 
Oh, I'm telling you what, if you're going through a hard season, if you're going through a hard time, open up the life-giving Word of God and allow the life that's in the Word to take a hold of you. That was one of the very first revelations God gave me when I first got saved. He said, if you take a hold of the Word of life, the life in the Word will take a hold of you. But you've got to grab a hold of that Word of life. And in turn, that life that's in the Word will take a hold of you and transform you into who He wants you to be. Scripture gives us hope and encouragement. They impart inspiration so we can live in hope and endure all things. Kind of makes me think of, of Abraham. You know, the Bible says that he hoped against hope. I mean, Sarah was 90 years old. He was 100 years old when they had their baby. I don't know of any 90-year-old and 100-year-old people having babies today. But I'm sure they would say, I'm glad that grace was upon Sarah and Abraham. Praise the Lord. Thank you we're on this side of the cross. <laughs> but there's other things that don't, it don't take away the fact. Praise the Lord for Abraham in his time to become the father of faith for us. That he hoped Biblical hope with an expectation that God will fulfill all that he says against hope, what the world, the worldly type of hope that the world gives, that hope is just there for a moment and it fades. No, we can hope with biblical hope against all hope, worldly hope, that God will fulfill his promises. Then Jesus went on to tell them, he said, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all things before entering his glory? Here's the second thing I want you to get. God's word is true. It's true. Even when things don't turn out the way that you wanted them to. God is still good. Even when things don't go so good for you. He is still good. He's still on the throne. He don't do anything outside of his nature. So, and this can be a hard pill to swallow. Everything that he does is good. Everything he does is perfect. Everything he does is righteous. Every thought he thinks is good. Every direction he leads is good. Even whenever he has to lead a shepherd, like it says in Psalms 23, he, the shepherd has to lead the sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. It is good. Because they're going through, they're going somewhere. It's actually a... a um, a book called um, Psalms 23 from a Shepherd's Perspective. It's by, I think it's either Kelly Phillips or Philip Kelly, one of the two. He was actual a, a minister and, a, and, a, and a, um, uh, a sheep herder, I guess you'd say, right? He's a farmer, but um, he gave, he was over in Australia, gave a great, it's a beautiful book of really di diving into Psalms 23. I encourage you to read that. It gives you greater perspective. But God's word is true even when things don't turn out the way that we want them to. You know, uh, before Micaiah was born, my son here on the front row, before he was born, uh, we had another child, and we lost that child in the womb. And uh, it didn't go the way that we wanted it. Um, that was probably one of the hardest times for me as a man, especially as a husband, um, with my wife you know, in the hospital and just signing these papers and believing and calling my pastor and believing that everything was going to be okay. But in the natural, it was not okay. I mean, when my wife came out of, out of surgery and she looked at me and began to cry and say, I want my baby. I felt probably the hopeless as a man to this day 
in my life because there's nothing I could do. And, and I was giving her encouragement. It's going to be okay. God's going to get us through this. It's going to be okay. That's what I told her before everything had happened. And they went into surgery and found out that the baby had passed. And, uh, but you know what? It turned out. It didn't turn out the way that we wanted it. But God was with us in that journey. He comforted us through those days. And then he brought us our son, Micaiah. He, just, he was just a bundle of joy. He was beat up coming out, but he come out fighting. <laughs> and uh, God brought us joy. He restored us. Amen. So God is good even when things don't go so good. His word is true, whether it happens the way that we want it to or not. And he began to talk to his disciples and said, hey, wait a second, guys. Wasn't it already predicted that Jesus or the Messiah was going to have to suffer all these things before he entered his glory? Wasn't this what was supposed to happen? I mean, the majority of the believers at that time were still believing that, that Jesus, when he came physically on the, on, the, on the scene, was going to overthrow Rome right then. Whenever they, you know, a week ago when we celebrated Palm Sunday, when Jesus was coming in, they're like, this is it. I don't know where he's hiding. Maybe he's hiding all his arsenal under these palm branches. I don't know, but this is it. We're heading in. We're taking over. It didn't happen the way that they wanted it. Didn't happen the way that the disciples wanted it to. Their leader was just murdered. He was mutilated beyond form, the Bible says. Didn't, didn't happen the way that they wanted, but it happened exactly the way that it needed to happen in order to be able to bring multiple sons and daughters to God. Because Jesus did rescue Israel that day, and he also rescued every other person on the face of the earth that would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen? So here we are, you know, they're, they're, they're wondering what's happening. And, and uh, there used to be, there used to be a, uh, um, a song back in, I don't know what it is now. I sometimes get messed up with my times. But I guess back in the 90s, anybody remember Jars of Clay? I don't know if they're still out anymore. But when they first came out, you know, you know the song Flood. Rain, rain on my face. And it was like people bobbing their head. Anyhow, they had a song on that album called Worlds Apart. And it was really the, the, the song, beautiful song. You can ask Alexa or whatever, she'll play it for you. Um, but uh, beautiful song. In that song, he's, he, he's struggling with the fact like, you know, really, God, did you really have to die for me? I mean, is it that bad that you really had to die for me? And the truth is, yes. Because the scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person. We all miss the mark. And that when you, when you look at that in the, in the Greek and the Hebrew, it shows, it really gives a picture, paints a picture of a target. And it's so much that, you know, not only do we miss the mark, we don't even hit the target. No matter how many arrows we would shoot at that target, we will never even touch the target. We all fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God is the nature of God. How do I know that? Because God himself said that to Moses. When Moses said, God, show me your glory. And God said, I will show you my glory. I'll let, I'll let uh, uh, myself, I'll, I'll, show you, I'll show you my goodness, the goodness of God, the glory of God, his nature. I'll, I'll reveal myself. I'm going to show you my goodness, my nature. This is what we lost. This is why Jesus came. We lost the sight 
of who God really is. And by losing the sight of who God really is, we lost the sight of who he really created us to be. Jesus came back to win that back so we can look at Jesus and see the reflection of him, see him in ourselves and being able to be changed in his glory. Can you say amen? He had to die. 1 John 2, 2 says this, he himself was the, and they use this word propitiation. He was the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation really, uh, make it simple, it just means the satisfaction. It, another way to say it this way, he is the only one that could satisfy the debt of sin before the Father, period. He was the only one. And not only for ours, but also those of the whole world. So here we have, he's talking to his disciples and hey, wasn't it, wasn't it already predicted in the scriptures of the prophets and Moses that this was going to take place? You know, prophecy proves that Jesus is the Christ. I want to take you just for a moment. Prophecy proves that Jesus is the Christ, the savior of the world. There's over 300 specific prophecies in the Old Testament and they are all fulfilled in the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, over 300. Out of those 300, there are 60 messianic prophecies that could only be filled, fulfilled by one person. Out of those 300, there's 60 that could only be filled by one individual. Starting with Genesis 3.15 is where Adam and Eve had fallen in the garden when they disobeyed God and God spoke to the serpent and he said, I'm gonna put enmity between your seed talking to the serpent, the enemy, and her seed, and, and you will bruise his heel and he will crush your head. Jesus fulfilled that. So out of those 60 major prophecies that only one person can fulfill, there are over 270 details involved. So the possibilities of one person even fulfilling only eight of those 60 prophecies is one times 10 to the 17th power. What the heck is that? That's 100,000 trillion. That one person could fulfill even eight of those. But Jesus fulfilled all 60 and all 300. Another example of that, maybe you've heard this before, I don't know. I thought it was a great illustration. You take the state of Texas, it's 268,000, a little more than 268,000 square miles, the state of Texas. Someone say, yeehaw! <laughs> and they say, if you took that state and you covered it in silver dollars two feet thick, the whole state covered in silver dollars two feet deep, and you took one silver dollar and you painted it red, and you hid it somewhere in the state of Texas, and then you had a blind man get on a helicopter flying over the state of Texas to tell you exactly where to land. You just tell me when. We'll, we'll go down right here. And, you do, and he reached down and grabbed that red silver dollar painted red. That's the possibilities of one person fulfilling only eight of those prophecies. But Jesus fulfilled them all. It was necessary for him to come. They wanted him to come right then and there to overthrow the, the Roman Empire. He came right then and there to overthrow all authority. Amen. Hallelujah. So God's word releases hope. God's word releases truth. And the last thing, God's word reveals Jesus. <laughs> it reveals Jesus. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you.
Not only today, he wants to reveal himself to you every day. Jesus said this to them. Jesus spoke to them. uh, Jesus took them through to the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, we have another place in scripture too. I believe it's in Mark chapter four at the end of Mark 30, verse 30, 31, something like that where it says, when Jesus spoke to the crowds, he always spoke to them in parables, and he would not speak to the crowds without speaking in stories or parables. But to his own disciples, he revealed everything to them in private. Amen? He revealed everything in private. Sometimes when we're not getting things because we're not taking that time to get alone in private with God. And sometimes, even as Christians... You know, we feel that we're getting real with God, but sometimes it's not only getting real with God, we have to get real with ourselves. I don't want to go through a day that I don't have a connection with God. When I feel disconnected from Him, it bothers me. I don't want to just go through the motions, and we've all been there where we kind of just walk through the motions a little bit. I thank the Lord, I'll catch myself. I may be in His presence, you know, just coming before Him in my daily prayer, my daily Bible study, and and just meditating on him, and all of a sudden I just feel like I'm going through the motions. Like, okay, wait a second. What I realize I have to do is, okay, I'm just kind of going through some motions here. I need to get real. Let me get real with you, God. And let me get real with myself. Because it's just not pushing through. God don't want us to push through. If all we ever do is just push through things, we'll continue to walk on the same road that we're walking the wrong way in that hopeless state, not recognizing who Jesus is. But whenever we begin to get real and open, all of a sudden our hearts are open and God reveals Jesus to us and we see and we begin to run back the other way, hope-filled instead of hopeless. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, that song that I had wrote, uh, the first verse talked about that being down that road and, and uh, you know, for quite some time and not being able to get rid of the troubles on your mind and Seems like every time you come across that crest, you know, it seems like the road's going to come to an end. All of a sudden, you see another windy, oh, there it is again. The last verse of that song starts out the same. It says, I've been down this road for some time, trying to release these troubles on my mind. But I can't believe that I ever found you. And now that I did, I live on Sunshine Avenue because of what God did. And that Sunshine Avenue makes you want to run back to all those that you had fellowship with or all those that you know in your sphere of influence to let them know, hey, let me add to the reports about his body missing. We found it. <laughs> he is alive and living. Amen. And right now he's seated at the, at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. So when you see Jesus, the Bible says you will see the Father. And when you see the Father, you will see who he created you to be because we were created in his image. And we'll continue to talk about this image more in the next few weeks. Would you stand to your feet this morning?